The Planted Mindset podcast is sponsored by Sassy 10, a new online fitness and nutrition program designed specifically for you if you're a menopausal mum who feels like your body of your 20s is a distant memory. You've lost your energy, motivation, but most of all, your sparkle. During your journey, you'll be supported, listened to, held accountable, motivated and re-energized to transform not only your body, but your mindset too. You'll be given everything you need to sculpt a stronger, sexier you in just 10 weeks to regain your sassy. Follow Sassy in 10 on Instagram and find out more by clicking on the link in the bio or hit the link in the show notes to start today. The hardest part is starting, but you'll be so glad you did. Welcome to the Planted Mindset Podcast, episode 40. So I'm really excited to be talking to Kuhn Vassen. He is an intuitive eating coach who helps people heal their stress, guilt and anxiety around food. He has the Vegan Academy on Instagram and I'm going to be asking him you know, to, to explain what intuitive eating actually is, how you do it and perhaps some tips that um, you can take away to help you understand your relationship with food and for that to be a healthy one. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Planted Mindset Podcast, and this is episode four zero. I'm excited to say that, and I'm even more excited to have Kun Vassen on today. Um, <laughs> I'm just hoping I've got that uh, pronounced correctly, otherwise my nan will uh, be literally throwing daggers from from heaven down um but he is an intuitive eating coach and i wanted him to come onto the podcast to talk about his own journey and why intuitive eating is an important concept that we all could learn welcome to the podcast how you doing <laughs> thank you so much for having me Natasha. and i was actually uh i gotta give it to you that was a pretty spot on um uh, pronunciation of my name uh, in general <laughs> people from the UK or English speakers in general really struggle with it it's it's difficult it's a really typical Dutch name so uh, you did really well yeah my nan I'll, I'll just uh, touch in my necklace that my nan gave me uh, she should be should be pleased with me then <laughs> but you don't live in Holland right you live in Slovenia correct correct I, I moved out of the Netherlands like pretty much like four four and a half years ago I moved to Spain where I met my Slovenian girlfriend and uh, we have been living in uh, Slovenia for basically like the last year and a half or so oh cool how is everything over there it's it's nice and quiet we live in the countryside we live in a tiny village with maybe like 50 houses or something so uh yeah we have a lot of nature around Slovenian is Slovenia is a really green nation to begin with one of the most forested areas of Europe actually so uh yeah we are very fortunate to uh have a little garden and yeah a lot of nature around so it's uh, it's very nice especially in this time to uh, to be living here oh they, and and they do say environment you know plays a huge part um you know just on our well-being doesn't it and um genetics as well yeah yeah and i like that you bring that up because for me it was a big difference having i'm, I'm not typically like a city guy i would say like i haven't been brought up in like big cities anyway the netherlands we don't have that many really really big cities right like amsterdam yeah well, most people know it obviously um but like i'm from the south of the netherlands i lived in smaller villages 10 15 maybe twenty thousand people uh lived in maastricht which just has like a hundred thousand people um but 
having lived in Spain, moved to Barcelona, which is obviously a huge city where there's always noise, where you don't usually live in a house uh, on the countryside, uh, where you don't usually have your own garden, and where you live in an apartment complex with maybe 20 other different kind of families um, from many different kind of cultures and nationalities, there's always noise. I like you, you I wasn't, it was so normal to wake up in the middle of the night and smell uh, like people cooking at four o'clock. <laughs> and uh, it's such a big difference. I really learned how to embrace the silence and uh, become a lot more yeah, at ease and at peace as well with, uh, with the stillness. That's that's nice to hear. And it is such an important part in our health and wellness journey, isn't it? That that nature can support that and epigenetics, as I was saying, obviously, um, the surroundings of where we put ourselves plays a big part on our overall health. But um, could you introduce yourself to the listeners that um, haven't come across you before? Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, like you said, my name is Kuhn. I'm an intuitive eating coach. I'm originally from the Netherlands. Uh, background is in retail management. Basically, since I was 16, I was like stocking shelves in the, in the local supermarket. And even though I always had like a, a, a passion for like helping people, and I was always into like uh, local um uh, look like uh, helping out with like a uh, local festivals and I was playing in bands and I would like to do a lot of like uh, cultural centers and like these kind of things. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So after high school, I was just kind of like a little bit lost. I did a, um, I tried to do my bachelor's to become like a um, uh, social worker. Okay. Um, but yeah, just the whole schooling system just never really fitted me that well. And I dropped out, not even finished my first year. I just stuck somewhere shells. I could make some good money. I was still living by my parents. So I was very happy with that, actually. And I was just like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to move on there. And basically, for almost 10 years, I yeah, grew up in the supermarket, learned a ton. But it was also a very hectic, very stressful uh, lifestyle, where especially where when my career grew and the amount of people underneath me got bigger and bigger and I was leading bigger and bigger stores, the job got more and more stressful and my lifestyle became to get more increasingly destructive. And yeah, when I was 25, yeah, it's now six years ago, I was at a moment, it was the biggest store that I worked in, almost a hundred people underneath me. And I was literally, I was, I was waking up with a can of Red Bull because I slept for maybe five hours a night. Uh, I was smoking a package of cigarettes a day. I had uh, three cigarettes in my first lunch break uh, instead of having a sandwich. And I was always on edge. I was always, yeah, I had a lot of temperament. I couldn't like express my emotions often in a, in a, in a healthy way. And it came to a clash with my with my supervisor, with with the um, with the entrepreneur that was was owning that store, and it was just basically like high, his way or the or the highway. He literally said it like that, and I choose choose the highway because I knew that continuing down that road wasn't going to be good for me. And very tough time. Um, yeah, can remember literally breaking down in my kitchen, not having an idea what I actually was going to do because I did that for so long. But I didn't know that I really wanted to, 
that the first thing that I should be focusing on was my own health, my own well-being again. So I really invested a lot of time in going to the gym. And I thought like, well, this is actually going really well. Why don't I educate myself more in that area and do a course to become like a personal trainer? And I actually really love that. Uh, so I went down that path of training people, working in gyms, having my own boot camp, but also really saw that how limited I actually was as a personal trainer and how limited it was to only focus on exercise in terms of people's overall health and well-being. And even though I left that kind of lifestyle of training a lot of people in person a little bit when I moved abroad, I really knew that that ultimately was my calling to really help people to become healthier. Uh, I went vegan myself around that time. And yeah, after having coached more and more people, I just saw how, <clears throat> what people really needed and how big of the influence of the relationship that they have with themselves and with food uh, really played a role in their overall health and well-being. So especially now the last, I would say like a year and a half, really focusing on more the intuitive eating approach uh, because it also really correlates with the journey that I experienced myself. Yeah. Oh, but there's, there's so much in the, in there. Um, that that's one of the first things I wanted to pick up on was that your boss at the time forced you to make a decision that ultimately at the time probably was quite scary, but the best thing that ever happened to you. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. That, I like that you bring that up because I do think that that is actually one of the, yeah, maybe one of the most transformational periods of my life. And maybe even exactly, I got a lot to thank him from, even though there was yeah. a lot of resentment from a, for yeah. a long time towards that person. And I thought that he screwed my career and screwed mm -hmm. my life. And I was I like hurt. Uh, a lot in that place it has definitely been a moment where I um, yeah like my life turned around not a 180 but like 360 degrees yeah sometimes it's it's we're forced to make that change because clearly uh, he could see that you weren't happy um, as you were describing in in how you were conducting yourself and naturally he had a business to run but ultimately you know, there's bigger things at play and sometimes, you know, manifesting whatever you want to call it, but you had something better within you. And, you know, if you weren't going to see that, then you were called out. And sometimes we have to be forced to sort of fall on our bum, don't we, to, to get back up and, and then find something else. So you moved into obviously the personal training. Um, obviously, as a personal trainer myself, I can completely resonate with what you're saying about the exercise and actually, you know, nutrition, as we always say, abs are not built in the gym, they're built in the kitchen. So you could do all of the, the work with the clients, which is really important from a point of mobility, flexibility, mm -hmm. cardiovascular, on and on and on, you know, strength. If they're not adopting a healthier lifestyle for for their particular goal they're not going to get the results and that's can be frustrating if you're only seeing them once a week and there's you know obviously 167 yeah. left of them <laughs> so what when you said to going into intuitive eating um what was what were the problems that you were seeing that made you think i need to be an intuitive eating coach as just as opposed to, say, a nutrition coach? Yeah. 
Well, the interesting thing is that I, I wasn't really aware of that whole concept of like intuitive eating and what it was to begin with. Um, because it is still quite a newer concept, even though uh, the book Intuitive Eating has been written, I think maybe even a decade ago already, the, the concept is still in its early stages. So for me, like around two years ago, I had no idea that this, that this even existed. Uh, I always thought of myself more as an intuitive eating because I didn't track, I didn't count any calories and none of that. But I really started to experience what it was when I actually recorded a podcast for my own a podcast with an intuitive eating coach. And I was like glued to the screen. I was like, wow, this is what I have been doing for the last couple of years. And I didn't even know that this is what they call intuitive eating. And that just opened my eyes so much that I thought like, wow, I've been in that position where I was obsessively counting calories, getting upset by losing another kilo because I lost again muscle mass and I didn't want to, uh, stressing out over eating, uh, pre-planning my weekends because uh, because of I knew that I was going on a party and I would spare calories for the party and uh, feeling guilty after the party because it ruined my progress. And then I suddenly saw this like golden rules and I was like, wow, a whole new world opened up to me. So yeah. That's, that's interesting that you should say that because what you've picked up on there, um, the the word I was just thinking, um, orthorexia, um, mm. which again is a new word to me. Um, I, I understand what it means, but that unhealthy obsession with healthy eating and that continual tracking down to absolutely everything. And whilst obviously we start off with best intentions, how it can again derail us. Uh, with your yeah. intuitive eating, um, would you say that is completely different to if it fits my macros or is there uh, synergies with that? Um, yeah, good question. I'm, I'm not 100% familiar with like the ins and outs of if it fits your macros. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with the term and I know that a lot of people follow it. Um, but the big distinction is that you can eat because your body is telling you that it needs something, right? And the big difference with it, if it fits your macros is that uh, you would count certain macros and at the end of the day, it says that you still need to get in 50 grams of protein. So then that's the only thing that you're allowed to get, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, a, that's not intuitive. That's actually counterintuitive because there's this macro that's telling you what to eat uh, even though your body might say, I had enough, uh, even though your body might be telling you, I don't want that food, even though your body might be telling you, I'm actually super hungry and I still need more. So that's like the opposite of what intuitive eating actually is to me. Yeah, no, that's a good, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that because obviously with, uh, if it fits your macros, you know, you, you could, as you said uh, before, um, then eating something um, y y y like, unhealthy you could potentially um just because you had something left over um and you, you've got that you know um remit of of calories mm -hmm. um to, to eat or in 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 sense macros but what i'm intrigued to hear is as you said listening to your body a lot of people will get confused by that because they don't actually know what their body is telling them so when their body's signaling to eat that chocolate bar 
do they actually realize it's the amino acids that they need they need protein um and the instant craving is sugar and that's what they're seeing but actually it's not sugar that the body's wanting at all it's it's the amino acids um so how do we as an individual and certainly as a coach allow uh, people to understand their body and what their body actually needs yeah it's it's really a process and i think first of all to before you can answer that question it is what is limiting or what's influencing you in your ability to listen to your body right so what i've seen with intuitive eating is that the biggest influences around your inability to listen to your body comes from the rules that you have around food and your body so okay. for example if you have a very strong desire or need to lose weight then that desire is going to influence what you eat right so if you feel that you need to lose weight then your actions are going to be correlating with that right and you might eat less you might eat certain types of food you might avoid from eating other types of food right so what that does is you not listening to your body <laughs> because you're listening to the voice in your head that's telling you you need to lose weight sure so the reason why they always start with number one within intuitive eating rejecting the diet mentality is because you cannot start to really listen to your body unless you let go of the rules that are avoiding you from doing so and i think that that's always where it starts so becoming aware of the rules that you have around food becoming aware of your diet mentality of your diet mindset and the rules that you may be placed on your body uh, i can never be thin i'm always going to be overweight i have to look like this my self-worth is attached to looking like x um, those rules are undoubtedly going to influence your actions when it comes to food when it comes to exercise when it comes to taking rest so as long as we don't address that listening is going to be it's not going to be impossible but it's going to be really difficult and it's going to be biased oh absolutely absolutely um I, there's a few things that i wanted to pick up on there um and and it's really interesting to to hear that perspective whilst we need to be aware and we need to ditch those habits and beliefs naturally they have become habits or, or maybe for our whole life um so even becoming aware is one thing how do we then change that to to you know because that almost can be our security blanket as well can't it mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of like the million dollar question right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no that I, you know when it comes to beliefs i like to use this this analogy of, of the vault, right? Because first of all, we have to understand how beliefs are formed. Beliefs are basically just a transaction of information. Uh, like if uh, if you are a, a child and your parents are going with you through this, uh, like this child's book and saying like, this is the dog and what does the dog do, right? Bark, bark. And this is the cat and what does the cat do? And then you're like, okay, that's what the dog does. Okay, that's what the cat does. So for that information to be transferred to you and it to form a belief, you need to accept that. You need to say like, yes, I agree with this. Mm -hmm. So the first part in letting go of all the of all beliefs is to become aware of them, like you mentioned as well. 
And the second of them, questioning them, like asking yourself as an adult now, hey, are these things that I've always thought to be true, are they actually still true? Are they maybe partially true or are they maybe not true at all? And that's always where it starts. Because as soon as you can understand that not all beliefs that you have are actually true to begin with, a lot of them dissolve already or lose its strength, right? So to use the analogy of the vault, I always use with my clients is that basically like these beliefs, I always see them as like a vault. And throughout your life, there has been little experience, um, experiences, there have been situations, there have been um, people telling you something, pieces of information, studies, uh, things in the news that have added onto that belief. Right? Like in every time uh, something small happened, there was put a pound in there or a dollar in there, and maybe something big happened, a hundred dollar would be put in there. So that belief, that vault has been filled with all of this information that you believe why that is the way it is, right? Mm -hmm. And on the other side, there is this new belief, uh, like um, yeah, name whatever example you want to have for a new belief, right? And this one is still empty because you haven't found any information for that yet. There's no evidence for that yet, which is a really important one. Mm. So in order for you to shift those beliefs, first of all, we have to identify what's all in that old vault. Uh, what was what is basically like creating that whole belief because it exists of all these different situations and all of these different pieces of information. So learning how to dissect that. And then asking yourself, hey, is this true? Is this partially true? Is this not true? And basically just writing them off, like throwing them out. Yeah, and so picking it piece by piece. So eventually, picking it like, out piece by piece. Exactly. You're moving one, you know, replacing one of those beliefs and putting a new positive belief with your new actions and, and then building on that. So that eventually you end up with an empty vault and a new belief system over the other side. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> We're using arms here. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, that is, then this goes to show that it's, it's more about the mindset than it necessarily uh, that people perhaps aren't linking it to. Um, maybe fear could come into this because if that's a belief that we've held for all our life since childhood, because they say a lot of um, these belief systems, you know, um, I was I was just saying off air, I'd listened to a lady, Adele Spragan, um, as mindset coach, and she's saying that animals are the only uh, species that are born with instinct. Um, we don't. And that means that we as humans um, do have a blank canvas, but it gets formulated, as you've said, Kuhn, by our parents and by what we see by six to eight years of age to hardwire those, mm -hmm. you know, and, and certain instincts in. And then we, as you say, perhaps support them with what we see to what we believe. Um, but subconsciously, there'll be things that we'd have picked up that we don't even know that we've picked up. And that could m make it very vulnerable for someone. You know, they've got to be ready to want to perhaps go into that vault because it might be quite scary. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of things that going to come up that we suppressed. And that also brings me into like the next part, which is food where people always think like food is the problem, but food is never really the problem to begin with. Uh, like not being consistent with your exercise, that's not never really the problem. A lack of willpower, that's never really the problem. Um, those are just the symptoms of the deeper underlying subconscious problem, right? Uh, so learning how to go into that 
with kindness, uh, compassionate towards yourself. I think that that's a really profound experience that a lot of people will need also to really break through their own limiting beliefs or break through their own barriers, if you want to call it like that, because what happens in a lot of cases, and I think that that's a big flaw of the fitness industry is that we focus too much on the outside, right? We focus too much on Mm -hmm. tracking your food, making sure you get your steps in, drinking enough water. And we all know that those habits can help you live a healthy life. There's a reason why most people don't, or there's a reason why most people struggle to stay consistent with it. And this is what they often refer to as like self-sabotaging behavior. Uh, like there's I was going to say li- that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? There's this little voice inside of you that is, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be good enough anyway. You don't deserve it. You're not worthy uh, or a ton of other beliefs. So at the end of the day, uh, you might be going to the gym. First of January is coming up. Are people going to do this 100%. We've seen it all the time. Are you going to the gym for a week? Are you motivated? You're excited? Second week, already a little bit less. The third week, we haven't seen results, so we stop. But it's also because that voice inside of you tells you, ah, just give it up. You're never really going to make it through. Uh, who, who cares anyway? So learning how to silence that voice and how to heal that part of your subconsciousness, yeah, that's, yeah, and I think that that's, uh, in, in the end of the day, that's even more important than everything because, and your relationship with food or your relationship with exercise, that's all a reflection of the relationship that you have with yourself. So unless you heal that relationship with yourself, the relationship with food or the relationship with the people around you, that's not going to improve. Now, I love the fact that you've brought up about that inner voice, Kuhn, and obviously clients will reach out to say that they and and naturally you do have to peel back the layers you know i want to lose weight you know that's the most broad generalized question and then obviously you have to dig deeper you know 10 layers deep or even 100 as to the reason why so there is a confliction uh, with wanting something and then not uh, following through or being consistent so beating themselves up but as you said that inner voice is there to protect us but it's also um a little bit archaic in the fact that in this day and age it keeps things very simple so week three when you're saying it they're starting to find that it's tough the body's hurting it's not so pleasurable anymore um that's actually where the mind's saying well you don't have to really do this you know stay Mm -hmm. in the comfort zone stay here this is what you know it's trying to protect yourself it's an evolutionary process to keep us safe which we've got to be thankful for but to acknowledge it that actually this is where you are now starting to break through when you hear that voice questioning and asking you to sit back, that's actually when you're moving out of your comfort zone into that new territory where your growth is going to happen. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Growth is always on the upper side of, of comfort, right? Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? That's the point that we feel that there's this Im- imaginary force field that we can't cross, but that's actually just the last, you know, it'll keep on sort of uh, tapping us to say, well, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to, because it is scary, but can I go back to the point obviously of someone wanting to change, 
but then being too scared. So so they'll say to you, they'll come to you, I, I want to lose weight, and obviously you'll dig deeper into that, and then you'll suggest something, but I can't do that. So you've got a mismatch here. How mm. do you help those clients see that they are limiting themselves? A really nice exercise that I often do with clients is you usually start with is like a value exercise. So writing down what people actually care about and how they want their life to look. Um, because a lot of people, we have a lot of ideas, we have a lot of things in our head, but we never make it concrete because of those limiting beliefs that we often have or we get too overwhelmed. So I think really getting clear about like what it actually is that people want to achieve besides like the weight loss or besides like the, I want to feel confident in the mirror or in my clothes is that you got to be really precise about like how you actually want to feel, right? So I would like relay that question back. Okay, I understand, right? It's like the fear, uh, is, this, is, like, is this a legit fear? I think that's a good question to ask yourself. Like how, how legit is this fear? What is like the worst thing that can actually happen if I would pull this through, if I would actually try this? Um, and also to practice some mindfulness. If you take a few conscious deep breaths, is that fear still going to be there? Uh, if you tune in with your body, is that fear still going to be there? Or is this really more something coming from the mind? And then to ask like, what would you feel comfortable with doing right now or and sometimes there are certain goals certain things that we've put on a pedestal which then becomes so hard to reach that it might also be just better to go in an opposite direction and first work on other areas so that we can build up the confidence to then attack the bigger problems and so for example if you are very uncomfortable like I, for example like fitness is a really tool that can really help people build up confidence right because they see themselves doing things that they've never done before they see themselves uh, lifting heavy weights if that's what you're into so that can build up confidence to attack other areas of your life where you lack the confidence before so i think there's a couple of things um yeah that can help people first of all like like i said your values it's really important to actually know like hey this is what i really stand for this is the life that i want to live and get really clear on that and then also asking yourself, like, why is there a disconnect? Like, why do I tell myself, like, this is important to me? But this is how I'm living my life. And why is that happening? Because usually that's like, that's that's a sweet spot, right? If you can break through that, that's where where the growth happens. Yeah, then you're, yeah, you're opening the, uh, yeah, the, the truth growth to, to emerge. But it is, as you say, that sweet spot and that fear, because to challenge your beliefs that you've, perhaps held for a lifetime is again, you know, quite a scary prospect, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the beauty is, is that when people are actually on that stage of approaching someone say like, Hey, I, I need help or, Hey, I want to achieve that. Then they're past that first hurdle, right? Like the majority of people are not getting there. That's just the, yeah, the sad, fact the majority of the people are not aware of that they have a problem they're not aware of that there are solutions out there uh, so if people approach you uh, like as a coach then yeah you know that those are people like people that listen to a podcast like this they are people that want to take action else they wouldn't be wouldn't be want to listen to this 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, they they reach in you as as they say, don't know that um, the teacher appears when the student is ready. <laughs> so why why do you think there is um, so much disconnect? I'm moving it on a little bit with uh, people and their ability to understand their hunger signals and their fullness signals. You know, the leptin and ghrelin. I think the two the two biggest ones are first of all like distraction. And the second one is the use of devices. And um, to unpack a little bit, like distraction, like we're always on our phones, we're always having things on, media on, there's always background noise. Uh, so just preventing us to listen. Uh, we told already about the rules. I think that that's the biggest one, but after that, it's, it's our day-to-day -day life. So um, it's really hard to, listen to your body and notice when you're getting full if you're on the couch watching tv and eating at the same time right it's really hard to notice like how something tastes and if something is satisfying if you're on the phone at the same time and uh, worrying about your kids in the background that's really difficult and then the second time the second part is at the devices like we've been so accustomed to use these calorie counters. We've been so accustomed to use all of these apps or the rings, I don't know all what, that's telling us <laughs> information that our body possesses already, right? Uh, we didn't mm -hmm. track calories a hundred years ago. Animals don't track calories. They know exactly what to eat. They just, like a baby knows exactly this kind of things as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you have a, a child, a baby, a toddler, they, they know when they're hungry, they're gonna make noise, they're gonna come to you, they're gonna ask for it if they're maybe a little bit older. And I always say like, no matter the amount of airplane noises you're going to make, if a baby is full, baby is full. Yeah, it's going to stop. And we lost, we lose touch with that. And um, it's basically because of distrust. We don't think our body is able to do that. And that comes down again to that belief, like, why do I not trust my body? And that usually stems from a certain childhood trauma, bullying. It can be something very maybe insignificant that in that moment was very significant, right? And just a, a father or a mother taking away a toy from a child can be a traumatic experience for that child because it's not understanding what's happening in that moment. So mm. yeah, I think that those I think that those are the two the two biggest things like distraction and the distrust we have towards our body because we have been so accustomed to using all of these devices that are telling the answers that we already have inside. Wow, that's two very powerful answers, and I, I, I want to delve into both of those just a little bit. Um, the trust—that's that's crucial, isn't it? That we we have lost the ability to trust ourselves, and that's quite a sobering thought, isn't it? And that is because mm. of the lifestyle that we lead, and it's important to then build that back up, build that trust back up to let the body tell us what food is good what's you know what food we don't want like you said the, the 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 children the babies and and that is fascinating because i actually remember um i think my aunt had taken me and my cousins out to one of the theme parks and we'd all been given some sweets or something in the back of the car and i remember i literally unwrapped a whole pack of fruit pastels and probably ate the whole lot on the journey there because i had them I was older than the cousins noticing that they ate one and left it and i remember thinking what why did they not eat them all? <laughs> so it <laughs> yeah. just goes to show how we override those signals very early on, don't we? 
and, yeah. and don't listen to the simplicity of our body and absolutely we live such a fast-paced life that i don't think it used to be perhaps adults saying oh my goodness you know the weeks are flying by but you now actually hear children saying the same now mm. when i was young i didn't have a mobile phone because i'm older <laughs> um, <laughs> and and time felt like forever you know i do exactly. remember having that ability to lay on the the grass and look up and just daydream like kids don't even probably know what daydreaming is now they don't even do it it's is that a waste of time in their mind it's like they and not just children we feel that we need someone to entertain us 24 mm. 7. yeah and that is a scary place to be isn't it so no wonder our bodies are going to be mucked up because we're not even giving them the space to breathe really very true yeah we became afraid of the stillness i think mm. yeah so what um obviously it's important to build that intuitive relationship excuse me with your body and your food could you give me a couple of uh, steps that you would start with uh, for someone to 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 build that trust back up yeah absolutely it, it obviously is going to vary from person to person depending on where that person is coming from if you're coming from a more disordered relationship with food or if you're coming from a background of maybe binge eating or emotional eating and there might be things that are going to be different from person to person but i do think what is always important is to look for First of all, like the diet mindset, those rules, because these are going to heavily influence someone's ability to actually listen. And then the second part is, which I always do, is people still feel that need and that desire to like track their food or to count their macros is to stop doing that and instead keep a little food journal. Uh, I'm not interested about quantities. I'm not interested about calories. I'm not interested about whatever, just to write down what you're actually eating. So you get insight in what it actually is that you're doing on a daily basis. Uh, and me as a coach as well, right? Because obviously food plays its role, but it's in the intuitive eating process, it's kind of the last important thing. Uh, right. Honor your health is one of the last parts of the intuitive eating process. So what is important is to actually start listening to those hunger and food signals. That's always one of the first things that I, that I help people do. And we, we do this basically by using like the hunger and fullness scale. And what is this is just a scale from like one to 10, where one is like ravishly hungry, like uh, painfully hungry even. Eat your own knuckles. Eating your own knuckles, <laughs> uh, eating whatever you can. Um, where 10 is like painfully full, right? Like if you can imagine having had uh, two Christmas dinners back to back and uh, the two desserts on top of that, plus more. Uh, people who experience binge eating, they probably have been in that, in that area. So those are the two extremes, right? And the sweet spot is like right in the middle. The sweet spot is around like four to seven. So we want to start eating when we start to feel a little bit hungry. So we want to avoid getting into a position where we are really hungry because that often leads to overeating because it's a it's a response mechanism of the of the body right like if the body doesn't get enough in it's just going to compensate by getting in more when he can it's just a, it's a defense mechanism mm -hmm. so we want to eat when we start to notice the first hunger and uh, that's a that's a later topic how to recognize hunger versus craving is something that i can get into in a little bit as well that might be interesting um, so you want to focus on that 
focus on recognizing that hunger by checking in multiple times throughout the day and especially before your meals on like asking yourself consciously how hungry am i right now take that scale and look at it and okay so four so five six and act upon that and if you see like oh it's actually just a two so why am i going to the fridge right now do i really want to eat no i actually don't okay be boredom it's, it's maybe boredom okay check back in a half an hour and, yeah. and then we want to focus on during our meal time before we get started halfway through our meal and like more towards the end of it checking in with like how full am i how satisfied am i and we want to finish around six to seven so we're not uncomfortably full by the end of it not that it is a bad thing to sometimes overeat a little bit because also food can be helping to reduce anxiety. It is a, like they don't call it comfort food for no reason. So that <laughs> it does can play that role as well. There's nothing bad with using food for comfort, but it can be, um, it can become a problem when that's your, when that's your default habit. Right. So that's basically what, what always the first step is uh, to, really focus on your hunger and fullness signals and to honor them. So when I'm hungry, I will eat. When I'm full and I'm satisfied, I will stop. And that's always the start. That's incredibly liberating. And again, probably fearful for many because they've been used to lots of protocols and structures um, and also uh, beating themselves up of, you know, eat this and then that and, and it's it's getting back into that mindset to say that it doesn't have to be that complicated um, no. and free them of that extra baggage that that you know beating yourself up, um, mm. and that it can be simple. Yeah, and it's a really realistic fear. Right? This is the maybe one of the most asked questions or most gotten comments when it comes to intuitive eating and. People even sometimes get angry about it. Yeah, but if I, I just listen to my body and just eat whenever I'm hungry, I'm just going to end up eating the whole day and I will eat 7,000 calories and I will eat all the Ben and Jerry's and I will eat everything. Um, that can happen. Yeah, like that can happen for some people because you have been restricting yourself from 5, 10, 15 years or maybe longer being on all these diets and not giving your body what it actually needs. I hear women eating 1,200 calories a day. 1400 calories a day that's the amount of calories a toddler needs that's the amount of calories a child needs like mm. and maybe if you're one foot 45 maybe you're gonna be needing something around that i obviously cannot judge that based on that uh, simple scenario but in general that's just too little and there's so many people uh, so many women living uh, like uh, having diets like that so what is going to happen is obviously your body is going to want more because it wants to compensate for everything that you didn't give it. But there will come a point where that balances out, where yeah. that evens out, and your body is just like, oh, okay, I had enough. I'm satisfied. I'm comfortably, I'm comfortably full. And when you then start to really tune into the hunger and food signals, you will see that when you just give your body what it needs throughout the day enough, that a lot of the symptoms of overeating, of binge eating, or emotional boredom eating, they will, yeah, they will ease or they will just fade away naturally as well. 
I think along with, as you said, uh, going through that vault and unpacking each one of those beliefs or habits and you're moving them, whether you metaphorically um, over from one side to the other, then you're building those habits where there won't be a reaction from the body requiring it. You just won't crave that food. It, it just won't be there anymore. And I think that's what's so liberating for the clients, but also equally most surprising. Oh my God, I yeah. don't even want it. Exactly, exactly, right? Because what happens to a lot of people is that like that that a food rule, like this is the food that I cannot have. And we all know the forbidden mm. fruit, right? Like we all know that that guy or girl that we cannot have, we all know that food that we're not supposed to have, we have this super strong desire, craving, urge towards it, right? It's just human psychology. It's in our nature to have that almost. So, and as soon as we put that off that pedestal, it's suddenly not so interesting anymore, right? Like when ice cream is just food and all foods are just food, they lose its its special sense and suddenly there's a whole lot less uh, yeah, craving towards it. I mean, I do want to go into some of the other questions because I'm conscious of your time, Kuhn. But um, I think one of the points that you put there is, again, no food is good or bad. You shouldn't label them. It's just what you put into your body, because for some person, you know, you know, obviously, if you're diabetic, then then eating sweets at certain times or whatever sweet product you eat for your blood sugar is is essential <laughs> um you know at that time and labeling foods good or bad again we're just making it more difficult for ourselves and i think that that's one of the biggest reasons why people feel guilty around food right you kind of feel guilty about something that you wouldn't classify as bad yeah, and we feel guilty because we did something that we are that we believe that we shouldn't be doing. So it goes back so, to that mindset again, and those beliefs that we've we've buried that either subconsciously by surroundings, environment, parents, school, whatever. Yeah, or, carbs are the devil. Uh, yeah. Fat makes you fat. Uh, oil should be avoided. Uh, like there's, you shouldn't eat after eight. Uh, uh, you should always finish your plate. There's so many of these rules that um yeah basically telling you what to do without you even being aware of that you're doing it so i'm, I'm surprised i mean we, our brains are quite clever i mean we should commend ourselves for still being able to function because it, it makes me think <laughs> of uh, analysis paralysis if you think of advertising and, and when you were just uh, you know saying a few of those i'm thinking jesus we are bombarded with these constantly so so we are we are you know, clever to be able to tune out. Um, as you said, right at the start, we've got to be kinder to ourselves. Mm, yeah, that's where it really starts with, because it is always a journey, right? Like I think people forget. And I think that's why diets are being sold for, I think last time I checked, it was somewhere around 70 plus billion dollar industry a year. And it's the quick fix, right? That we all yeah. desire. And uh, yeah. as soon as we learn to understand that life is a marathon without even a finish line, uh, if you consider that maybe the finish line, it's just this continuous journey. And mm. it is not a seven-day detox. It's not a 12-week sprint. It's something that you really got to embrace for the rest of your life. And to add on to that, I think what's really important is also people fear often when it comes to intuitive eating that they then just going to eat a lot of 
crap food, so to say. Mm -hmm. They're just going to eat all the unhealthy things, all the processed things. But a big part of intuitive eating is to learn to listen to your body. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And when you truly listen to your body and you really notice what feels good and what doesn't feel good, what do you think you're going to end up eating more of? Right? Oh, you're going to yes. end up eating much more nutritious foods. You want to be able to move your body more in a joyful kind of way. You want to embrace more time in nature. You want to spend time with love because those are the things that are going to make your body feel good. Those are the things that make you happy. They're going to help you thrive. They're going to bring you joy. So yes, you will eat ice cream when you feel like it. Yes, you will have the cake when you're at the birthday. You can have it. You don't need to have it. Right. And that brings, like you said, so much freedom because suddenly you can make choices based on what you want in that moment, not based on the conditioning and all the rules you accumulated over your lifetime. Yeah, I, I think what's really um, crucial in everything that you just said there as well is understanding about that body. When when we've been given throwing it so much, we we're we're bombarded or crowded we can't even know what our body is telling us and sometimes that's why you know obviously eat we do need we do need to eat the right foods and, and we know that but when you start to do that it, it becomes easier to see when we eat a food that doesn't support our body um when you're eating everything and you're not even being mindful you're probably feeling crap all the time but don't even know that you feel crap because you don't know any different um so it's not until sometimes that you do say right okay i'm gonna eat some whole foods more vegetables and and cut out say the chocolate bars i've been eating even every day to see how you feel first and foremost so that when you do go and have them you actually know that you feel rubbish uh because you've had them and when you can strip it back to actually truly pinpoint uh, your body, you're more likely to pick up any illnesses and diseases. And, and this is why with heart disease and type two diabetes, a lot of these things are clouded and people end up in hospital because they just, they don't know that their body feels mm. bad. There's too many conflicting signals. And I've, I've um, met uh, a few people um, that have had uh, particular heart issues, but because they were mindful of of their diet and what they're eating and how they were exercising they were very quick to pick up an anomaly with something happening they didn't know what was happening but they knew something wasn't right yeah and lucky enough they were able to get to doctors or whatever to find out that it was actually you know heart issues if you are so overwhelmed with all of these you're not going to pick up that and unfortunately this is why heart disease and and the, the deaths uh, the you know the biggest killer absolutely yeah yeah no i think it's absolutely i absolutely love everything i know it's not an easy thing but like you said if people are reaching out they, they do want change they've got to be prepared to be vulnerable to embrace that change and as you said not give up just when they're starting to hit the the tough point because actually it's literally just around the corner that freedom yeah exactly and i think that that's why people are hesitant to approach intuitive eating because it's not a diet right it's not something that i can guarantee you hey in two months from now you lost 10 kilos because it's exactly not what we're going to be focusing on doesn't mean you cannot lose weight doesn't mean that those things cannot go hand in hand but like we, as we started, if you have that strong desire to lose weight, 
it's going to keep you away from actually listening to your body and building a more intuitive relationship with it. So intuitive eating is not so sexy, right? Like it's a a hard thing to sell, uh, so to say. And so people really got to be done with what they have been doing for their whole life. Got to be done with uh, the endless yo-yo dieting and finally got to see the light that uh, what they have done before clearly doesn't work anymore so unfortunately the diet industry is very clever in uh, formulating all these different kind of ways noom is a beautiful example of that uh, which has gotten a lot of popularity over the last few years which is still a diet which wraps its messaging up and promotion marketing up in intuitive eating terms while it isn't and uh, like diets industry has gotten yeah, significantly smarter because they know that the same approaches are not working to lure people in anymore. So yeah, I really want to invite people that feel uh, like that the mechanisms and the tools that they have been using for the majority of their life aren't working anymore to approach me, an intuitive eating coach, to really help you to break through to those limiting beliefs around yourself and the rules that you have around food but also just to really connect with your own body and learn to become much stronger and deal with your emotions and your stress in a different kind of way than food, because that's often just what it is, a coping mechanism. And yeah, learn to experience that freedom so that you can actually enjoy food instead of uh, like feeling stressed or guilty about it. Yeah, yeah, but that was that was very powerful. And uh, yeah, I think when people say, well, you know, I've done Weight Watchers, I've done this, I've done that, um, and it worked. Well, if you're here now, it hasn't worked, has it? And that's the whole point is even then for them to understand that that is part of that yo-yo and that, that prison. And that as you're saying, there is the freedom over the other side with that caveat that you have to have the patience again if if all of this you've been doing all of your life then you you can't expect to get a result within two weeks three weeks you know two months three months on the other side as you said it's not about time span it's about lifestyle and living a different less stressful free way yeah and and the beauty is it's not just the food right the food is just uh it's just part of it. Yeah. It's my, my husband said that, you know, I think in life everyone needs a crutch for something. And a lot of people use food as that um, because of the way that life is. But again, that's perhaps where we're not being uh, vulnerable enough to, to dig mm-hmm. deeper to what the actual underlying issue is. Yeah. Um, and the beauty, <laughs> uh, like I said earlier, is that it isn't just that you heal that relationship with food. That's a consequence of it. You heal the relationship with yourself. So you learn how to uh, like feel more comfortable with your partner. You learn how to feel more comfortable within your own body and skin. And you will actually love yourself or the person that you are. Uh, if that is five kilos more or five kilos less or 10 kilos more or 10 kilos less, it doesn't really matter because you learn how to come to a place of acceptance and self-love no matter this vehicle or package that you're in. And I think when we can embrace that, like your self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-confidence, they're going to go to the roof. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and it's, it's it's that ultimate freedom, right, Kuhn? Um, I wanted to ask you um, another question. Um, so not necessarily in intuitive eating, but it may be. What are you yeah. most curious about at the moment? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, what am I most curious about at the moment? Hmm. I'm, I'm really intrigued about like human psychology in general and like how people make decisions and something that I have been really fascinated in for maybe 10 years or maybe even longer already. Um, all throughout my like management career, that was always like my main drive. People has always been my main drive since, since I was a child. I was always the person that people approached to talk with. I was always the one boy in the school where all the girls wanted to talk with because he could listen and all the boys couldn't. And I was obviously being bullied a lot for it because of uh, like all these kind of things but yeah like that that just fascinates me and i don't think that that will that fascination towards like how humans are wired i'm a big fan of the work of dr joe dispenza yeah i'm now actually <laughs> reading the book uh from ryan holiday stillness is key yeah and yeah those are really the things that i'm fascinated about and like uh, the mind how the mind works how we make decisions and how we can go beyond the mind yeah oh you've you've hit the sweet spot for me there because that's i think it was dr joe Dispenza and bruce uh is it bruce lipton. D. lipton they were the first two books that i read that really piqued my interest and and it all started with about the belief system and then obviously bringing everything else into it and just yeah. To know that there is that potential, um, again, um, as this uh, lady was saying, you know, animals are born with instinct. We as humans are not. It's something that we learn and evolve and, and pick up and we can rewire, repattern, create new habits. So when people say, oh, well, that's just the way it is, I'll never change. That's not true. You are holding yourself there. You actually can. And and that's remarkable as a human being. I mean, obviously it's causing as much as it's a, such a positive thing, it's what's holding us back as well. Um, yeah. You know, perhaps in, in some ways we should have just been instinctive animals, but the beauty is no matter what your age, no matter what the circumstance, you can change if you want to. Absolutely. Uh, it has shown that just a tiny percentage uh, of your health is because of your genetics. It's maybe 5%. Some people say it's a little bit more, maybe 10, 15, 20%. Let's say 20% at max. That means over 80 to 90% of everything that you do has a direct effect on how you're going to feel and how healthy you're going to be in the long term. So yeah, like I don't yeah. believe at all that uh, things don't matter or that nothing will ever change because yeah, even if you just do it for yourself, you have that control and that's what I think is really liberating to know that you can change where you want to be, how you want to feel and how healthy you want to live your life. Um, Kuhn, how would you describe yourself in one word? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Uh, enthusiastic, I would say. <laughs> I'm really putting you on the spot here. I was thinking <laughs> some of these myself, thinking, oh, good, I don't know what I'd say. <laughs> and what was your dream job as a child? Whew. 
my dad always was a firefighter, so I always wanted to be a firefighter when I was younger. But I always also remember when my mom was still alive, she always used to tell me that when I was writing in, in these, uh, you, you would get like these little books, right? At, at primary school, and you would give them around and it's like a friendship book, or I don't know yeah. how you would call yeah. it in English. Yeah. That you would say a pussy album, uh, something super silly. And uh, you would always write, when I'm older, I want to be, right? That was always uh -huh. one of the questions. And my mom told me quite often that I would always write down dad, that I always wanted to be a father one day uh, when I was a kid. So that's kind of funny. I'm not, and I don't know if I will be one day, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Or, or was it you wanted to be like your dad? It could no, be, I wanted to be a you dad. Did, you I did always what wanted to have dad. like kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, obviously that could happen. You're in yeah. the right right place environment, aren't you? Beautiful yeah, sure. place to bring up children. <laughs> um, no, that's, yeah, I, I, I wanted to be an air hostess, believe it or not. I remember. I thought it looked, <laughs> I thought it looked glamorous. I just thought they yeah, looked nice they and do, it looked right? important and walking alongside the pilots. <laughs> and then my mum was like, no, nah, don't want to do that. Glorified waitress. I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to go into the quick fire round, uh, Kuhn. Um, I'm going to give you 15 questions. They're really simple. They're either or answers or the first thing that pops into your head. So it's nothing um, about intellect here. It's really about just answering the quickest um, that you can. I'm just going to get my timer and we will do it against the clock. So I will try to speak as clearly as possible. So, are you ready? Got to roll up my sleeves for that, man. <laughs> okay. Pool or sea? Sea. Five kilometers or marathon? Oh, 5K. Skydive or bungee jump? Skydive. Star Wars or Harry Potter? I'm sure you've obviously heard both. Uh, Harry Potter. Favorite podcast? I'm not such a podcast listener, I got to be honest. You've got to say mine then, surely. <laughs> <laughs> Plank or wall sit? Sorry? Plank or wall sit? Uh, wall sit. Sprouts or bananas? Bananas for sure. Smart or casual? Casual. Most proud of? Moving abroad. Monopoly or Scrabble? Monopoly. Early bird or night owl? Night Owl. Favourite author? Oh, so many coming to mind. Recently, I would say Dr. Joe Dispenza. Cool. Name a famous person you'd like to meet. Could be the same. Oh, uh, dead or alive? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it could be. I was a huge fan of Kurt Cobain growing up, so that one was ah. always on the top of my list. Oh, cool. Best business decision? Starting. Cool, I like that. And most inspirational quote or saying? I really love this quote from um, from Tony Robbins. It's not what we do once in a while that changes our lives. It's what we do consistently. Excellent. Well, well remembered, obviously, on the quote front. <laughs> I, like I got Tony it on Robbins the back of well. my, uh, my computer. It's literally my wallpaper. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't have given, you shouldn't have divulged that. <laughs> You just say, yeah, I have the, the role of my mind. Um, uh, Tony Robbins is, is cool in the fact that he says about your standards, doesn't he? That, you know, that what are those five important things that you'll do no matter what? But I also like his mentors that he had 
Um, so Jim Rohn, um, I've gone back and then listened to loads. I love Jim Rohn. And then mm. I've gone back one further and Earl Schoaf, who was, who mentored Jim Rohn. And I really like listening to, to him and seeing how it all evolves. Um, it's yeah. really fascinating. I'm a big fan of Covey also. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Kuhn, out of your contacts, who would you be happy to introduce this podcast to with regards? Mm, to oh, podcasts? yeah, I definitely know a guy, uh, Ryan Bennett. He's a okay. naturopath. He's oh, cool. uh, specialized in helping people deal with anxiety and uh, he's a breathwork practitioner. So that would be a really interesting guest, I feel. Cool, that would be. Yeah, I'd love to speak to him. That would be cool. Uh, so where can people find you? Uh, mostly active on Instagram under the name of the Vegan Academy, which is my business name, uh, or just on Facebook underneath my uh, my own name. Cool, cool, excellent. And Kuhn, out of ten, with one being pants and ten being perfectly splendid, how would you rate this episode? Obviously, a ten. <laughs> trick question um, and so i'm gonna leave with an outro quote and if you have another quote by all means um you can offer that as well so um i've got the one by winston churchill success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm i like that i love that as well and do you have one that you want to leave with uh, they're putting me on the spot again eh? hey uh, yeah of course. no on the top of my mind I'm blank. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just given the, the, the uh, Tony Robbins one, so I'll, I'll uh, re repeat the Tony Robbins one again for me. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so what was the Tony Robbins one again? So, ah, the Tony Robbins one was, yeah. um, it's not what you do once in your life, that once in a while that changes your life, it's what you do consistently. And this is what I always say to clients as well, uh, small changes consistently done equals success. Yeah. This is, you know, it's not simple, but it is simple. It's just the complexity is in the fact that you've got to do it consistently. Mm -hmm. And, and another <laughs> quote, I, now, now one comes to mind actually, like a really big quote that really changed my life is that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, I think also um, the more you know, the less you know, <laughs> because you, you delve one. deeper into that to expand more and then you unearth a whole load of oh my god i don't know that i thought i'd you mm -hmm. know and and you never stop learning that's something my nan always said and, and that's the same around yourself right like the more times you peel that layer the more things you think like wow yeah, yeah. didn't know that that was there <laughs> No, no, exactly, exactly. So this is the whole point. We, we, we always have the ability to change. We never stop learning, um, so never give up. But uh, thank you very much, Kuhn. I really appreciate your time uh, to come on and talk about intuitive eating. I found it absolutely fascinating, um, and I would love to stay in contact with you uh, because you know I think it's always good to have great people. They say you're the sum of the the most people you spend time with, and and the beauty of this day and age is that it's not just people physically; it's about connections um, that we make. So I'll leave with a parting point. You know, certainly on social media because we are all connected. Be mindful of who you're following, who you're listening to, and are they supporting you and your goals? Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for uh, having me today. Thank you, Ken. 
You know, I say it every time, don't I, how much I enjoy the episodes, but I really, really do. Having great guests on where we can have good conversations and I can learn more, understand more, uh, gaining more knowledge. Uh, we never stop learning. And it was intriguing to hear how intuitive eating works, but also the principles behind how the, mount, the mindset correct to be able to implement that and that freedom that ultimate freedom, um, you know, if you've been yo-yo dieting all of your life to, to do a completely different um, pattern of behavior must be so liberating. Um, so obviously do go and check out the Vegan Academy for Kuhn, um, obviously to find out more if you want to understand a bit more. He's got some great posts on Instagram that are supporting obviously that lifestyle. Um, so yeah, definitely go and check him out naturally if you have enjoyed this podcast then please do rate and review it really does help if you can you know head over to itunes and write a few comments and give it a rating uh, it helps it reach more people that you know ultimately we want to help change lives and there may be one piece of information that that's taken away from this particular episode or indeed any of the others that could be life-changing for you or someone else so please do um as i said you know contact as well if you have any questions that you would like answered or a topic that you would like featured in the podcast um because naturally i enjoy doing this but you know if if there's something that you are you know you've got a burning question there then please do message me you can reach me obviously through the website sassy10.com or instagram sassy10fitness or indeed obviously the planted mindset podcast on instagram if you want to find out more about the sassy10 program we'll be launching a new um session of that in the new year uh so, you know, there's going to be an early bird offer starting uh, this month um, and actually obviously getting quick um, and secure your place. So uh, Sassy 10 will be coming back in the new year and bringing you obviously um, all of the tools um, along with, you know, knowledge and support, accountability and each other to achieve those goals if you want to find out more about that by all means dm me as well otherwise i hope you enjoyed listening and i'll catch you next time